Welcome to Petty Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf Balls, who deliver you affordable tour performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. I use the Seed 2 Golf Ball, I find it really good in and around the greens and holds up ball flight really well in the wind. On today's show, we have from Scotland, Young Teaching Pro, and massive following over on Instagram, so get following him, it's Jamie Allen Golf, but first, as Gabe Byrne would have said, roll it there, Colette. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Where's Joe Bradley? What did he get at? Donald Donovan is going to score it back. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. It's all on this. Welcome to today's show. It's a bit different. Um, it's all been done remotely these days, given the circumstances. But today we have a fella I have been tracking online with a bit on social media. has come across the, the feed, so I had to reach out. It's Jamie Allen. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. No fear at all. So, Jamie, we I kind of came across your profile on Instagram, so uh, I suppose that's where we'll start. Um, do many people like me slide into the DMs, or is it, or, or is it just me? Um, there's, there's, um, it's quite, it's quite a regular occurrence. A lot of folk just kind of want me to look at their golf swing. But to be honest with you, it's kind of, it's Instagram. You can literally message anyone on Instagram that you want. If you're, let's say, a sporting person or you're just looking for some advice, so you can message somebody on Instagram to get some general advice or information. But there is a few people that generally message me asking, oh, I'm struggling with this with my game. Can you do the next video? on kind of this coin might be putting and it might be chipping but it's just yeah a, lot, a few people kind of message me just looking for some advice that's super stuff so I suppose with, with that with all those messages does that then create the content that you put now you put up plenty of posts each day you know most of them in front of the door in the dressing room I can see but <laughs> some are in the studio um, is that where I suppose the content ideas come from is when people messaging you or I think um, generally you can get you can get a bit, um, it can become a little bit casual, a bit routine if you're doing the same content all the time. So what the good thing about golf is somebody's always got a different problem. So it's kind of, people will message me and I'll kind of center my content around what people are looking to uh, produce on a present, like daily basis. So they're struggling with something over a short period of time. So I'll give them a video that might kind of uh, eradicate the fault within their golf swing. So I kind of do it upon requests from people it just kind of keeps the channel going and keeps up everyone else updated no, no, no. it's a great way to be so your approach isn't like that of Max Homer then I assume uh, no not to not to slate everybody uh, don't do that <laughs> oh, good <laughs> good so you're, you're pushing content out on Instagram, where I came across, which you're also on Twitter, and there's a YouTube channel. And so how much time has been devoted to, I suppose, content creation in, in your day, week to week? My basic working day, I start work at half eight in the morning, I finish at six, and before work I generally do, I try and upload a video, or let's say a question, I try and do a daily question asking what everyone's up to, or what they've been working on within their swing and then after I get back to work I don't get back till 7 o'clock normally at night but I just I would say let's say an hour to an hour and a half per day 
that I kind of devote most of my time to, let's say, putting me on social media, making videos. So it's became a, a quite a quite a, just a daily routine. It's not something like I don't enjoy doing. It's it's just kind of part of my working day that I generally devote uh, my time towards that. No, super stuff. So coming from your accent, you're not based in Ireland, are you, Jamie? I'm not. I, I can't do a, a very good Irish accent. The only you don't want to hear my Scottish one. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I've can I've I've never never actually been to Ireland. I, I've got a few Irish friends, but I don't I can't really p- p- do the accent very well. I struggle to do the Scottish accent sometimes. So you're based up in Scotland, is it? Is in the is it the Little Golf Academy, or are you affiliated to a golf club as well? Yeah. So basically, I I used to work at a golf a golf club in Scotland, which is a place called Peebles Golf Club near Edinburgh, and I've kind of just changed job over the last. Uh, three to four weeks so I've just kind of started at Loretto Academy which is a, a basically a private school and just kind of outside Edinburgh for kind of golfers like junior golfers up and coming junior golfers so it's uh, basically it's my third week into my new job so it's, it's been quick three weeks so far enjoying it that's the main thing but no, I'm based at I'm based at Loreto, which is kind of a private school in Edinburgh, which is just outside. That's good stuff. So I'll, I'll go back in time a small bit. It's, it's, it's not as far back for you as it is for me, maybe. Uh, you are 23 years of age, I believe. But um, we'll go right back. What, what would be your earliest golfing memory, Jamie? Earliest golfing memory was probably um, going watching the Open back in... I, Took up golf kind of two thousand and three four, but my earliest golf memory was watching the Open at Troon, I think it was when Todd Hamilton beat Ernie Els in a playoff to win his first mate for one and only major. That was kind of the first golf memory I kind of had of watching, it. and I was like, oh, I could actually take up the game, and this actually really interests me. So I spent kind of the whole of that summer just hitting golf balls in the back garden outside our house used to, back then they didn't really have um, the, the unique golf holes that they've got today that you can obviously buy online so we just kind of dug our own golf course using the, the club head and uh, making up trying to make up our own golf course chipping around trees track curve shots that was kind of my earliest golfing memory and then I got lessons I got lessons before the start of 2004 from a golf pro called Donald Mackay who's based in Wells Green in Fife and that kind of I kind of started my golfing career from there and I just kind of took up the game and I, I loved it ever since So that's I suppose when you're maybe six or seven years of age would it be Jamie? Yeah so I, I was about I, I mean I got golf clubs for Christmas I was about seven and then like you got the plastic golf balls and it was kind of I used to just kind of muck about the house with the golf clubs and my mum and dad always used to get on to me just like I have smashed a few ornaments in my time around the house with real golf balls so I kind of got um, bought plastic golf balls like the foam golf balls so I didn't I'd reduced, the, I'd reduced from that from happening Oh good man so between I suppose when you picked up the game were there any other I suppose competing sports in Scotland um, maybe football or I don't think Shinty your version of Harley might have been on the radar would it? I played football as well. I never, I've never played. I used to do a lot of running. I used to play football, but 
Um, golf was just kind of a hobby until I was like, I would say 15, 16. Then I kind of wanted to do it as a career. So I, I, football was my main sport until I was about 15, 16. Um, I was, my, all my life was football growing up. I'd done golf because my dad played golf. I kind of played golf kind of just as a, I wouldn't say as a, a sport out with golf. It was just kind of a, a relaxing sport, golf. I know a lot of folk won't agree with that, but it kind of, it's a walk and it's a social kind of chat at the end of the day. But football was kind of my main sport growing up. And then golf kind of took over once I hit late teens. I used to, um, I, with football, I used to, I used to play football like most most days of the week and I never really got the chance to kind of play golf. It was kind of late on at night or at the weekend and you'd always be tired at the weekend so you'd never give it everything. You'd always kind of do everything like 50%. No, I got you. So when when was the competing event when you were like, okay, golf is golf is the real deal now. You know, I'm going to pack in the football and really focus on golf. Would it, would it have been around that 15, 16, 17 age or was there yeah. any particular event that you said, I'm going all in here? I mean, I played, I had my sights set on being a football player when I was really young. Everyone has, goes, everyone goes through that stage, I think, right, I could do that as a job, I can do that as a job. But I think, I, once I kind of done football for so long, you kind of, you get fed up doing the same thing every day. So I felt when when I kind of left school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life or my, what career path I wanted to go down. So I kind of just decided that I wanted to give golf a shot in terms of coaching because I've always had, I've kind of always had a um, a good interest in making people better at golf. Even when I was like really young, I would always kind of say, "Oh, you need to do this. You need to." It might not have been the right information, but I was trying to help others get better. Which that's kind of always been. Like pretty satisfying for me seeing golfers improve through your kind of work, but there was I would say the first kind of inclination I had to take golf up as a career was probably when I was about I would say fifteen when I won the junior club championship at my home club. I was I think I was playing off about three at the time. I, I mean I never I've kind of I didn't expect to win it, but it was kind of I wouldn't say the catalyst of starting a career in golf, but it was one of the main things that kind of kick started my career path in golf. So after that, what was the next kind of stage for you? What was the next level you reached in terms of, were there any county teams or? I, I, I only played county, county golf, like for, it was like the regional. So I played, I played football. I played, when I was playing, I played football. I played regional as well. And I played for Scotland when I played football. I played for Scotland when I was 14 for football which kind of was a big thing back then. But looking back now, it was, it was quite a good achievement. I didn't think it was that big until looking back at it now. And then well, football... Big. Not a lot of people can say that, Jamie. Not a lot of people can say that at all. It was quite... I mean, I was quite... That's kind of what... Like, I thought, right, if, okay, if the football doesn't work out, I can always fall back on golf because I've kind of always had the two interests. But um, I, I played golf at kind of county level. I've never been good enough to be Scottish level or any of that national level stuff or European or that. I've never, never really, I never really had an interest in playing at that type of level when I was growing up playing golf. It was kind of, it was either football, 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 it was kind of golf just on the side. I wish I'd flipped the two around a little bit quicker. So in terms of your main focus, was it more around helping people and getting them to improve their golf then? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. It was more about kind of improving other people's golf than playing myself. No, no, that's, that's not a lot of people have that outlook. Um, so, Jamie, when when was the the time that you turned pro? Then it was around 2015. I turned pro, and it was October 2015. So I was 19 at the time. I just turned 19. Oh. And so, uh, what was the process for you in turning pro? So, to, so basically, to turn pro, what you need to go through is your so you you get your handicap. Your handicap has to be below four in the UK. Um, it's four if you're a like a gent or if it's I think it's below below six. I'm right in saying if you're a woman, I'm not entirely sure on the figures, but you have to be below four handicap, and then you have to kind of be affiliated with a golf club, and then you if you're below kind of three point four, you don't have to do your playability, which I didn't have to do, and then you turn pro through that, and then basically you're a Peter a trainee until you qualify so you have to be kind of below four to qualify to turn pro which no, was I got you I got you can, can you explain I suppose what was your expectation of that PGA training before before I suppose you, when you when you when you got in you're like okay I don't have to do the playability test what was your expectation of the, the PGA training then um, to be honest with you I didn't really have I had a bit more insight than a lot of people would with in terms of PGA training because I had a couple of people that I knew that I kind of kept in touch with that done their PGA training and then it came, I wouldn't say it gave me the step, it got me a step ahead of kind of other people that kind of really started. But my first kind of thought was, look, I'm just trying to get through this without any blips along the way. It was a long, you know, it was a long four years, I'm not going to lie, that every year that you do, you think I'm a year closer, I'm a year closer, I'm a year closer, but Looking back at I me, mean, I qualified last September and times just flew. Like that's six months already, but my expectations going in were just just get through it, don't quit. If you quit, then I wouldn't know what else I have to do. So my main goal was kind of just to get over that hurdle and qualify as a PJ Pro with the, obviously become a professional golfer. No, definitely. That is the end goal after all. I suppose looking back on those four years then, is there anything that kind of stands out as that's really like a main takeaway? That, that you bring into every day of your coaching career now? Um, I think I've always kind of been quite a routine person. So I would say, like, when I first started working at my first job, I used to travel an hour each way, or it was longer than that. It was, it was 50, 54 miles each way. So basically, I had long days in terms of I'd leave the house at half six in the morning, I wouldn't get back till late at night. So it kind of gave me that kind of mentality of, look, if you want to succeed, in terms of passing your training, you need to be- become more of a routine person. So I've kind of always stuck with it. My, the same routine, like go to work, come home, coach, try and give it, a, give it your all. That's kind of always my attitude. Don't do anything half hearted I just go on at 100%. No, that's fantastic. So can you explain life then when you turned pro? Um, you were at uh, Peebles Golf Club, I believe, at that time. So Yeah, yeah. When, when you got to qualification, what, what were you really looking forward to to get going on? Uh, definitely selling the Mars bars. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's, that's, <laughs> but, uh, really, so, uh, really, what what I really looked forward to getting started on was definitely kind of coaching, learning more about kind of the golf swing, how other people coach. I think we all think we're good until we watch somebody else doing something. Like, like, let's say you could be the best coach in the world in your own head, 
until you actually um, watch other people in terms of the way they communicate with each other, how they interact with people, their general knowledge, you don't realise how good other people are until you, until you challenge yourself and watch them. No, definitely. Is there any, I suppose, coaches that you look up to now and that, that you're trying to engage with and learn from? Yeah, there's a few online like that are unbelievably good. You've got guys like Mike Bender, who's kind of third best teacher in America. Um, you've, or I would say, probably one of the best in the world. Um, Pete Cowan, he's always kind of been uh, the pioneer of golf in Martin. Butch Harmon, David Ledbet, are all these guys are um, people that I'll, I mean, I've got all all the books of David Ledbet. I've read all them, so I've kind of, I wouldn't say I've tailored my coaching towards them. I've kind of made it, obviously, with coaching, you make it your own way. I've kind of used the knowledge from the books kind of to implement that within my coaching. But uh, I would say the best coach that I follow is probably David Ledbetter and Butch Harmon. Butch Harmon makes it so simple. Um, he just kind of, he's very bold and, and very blunt in the way he delivers it. And it, it comes across as very, like easy to understand. That's what I like about it. Easy to understand. It's not too complicated. No, definitely. So, if I was to say, right, Jamie, I want to get some lessons. Either I come to Scotland or I might do it remotely on WhatsApp or whatever. Um, what am I walking into in terms of your approach to teaching? I so when I'm when I when I let's say if I'm doing a, a lesson for the first time with somebody that I've never met before, you generally build they're building up a, a questionnaire of them. So you're asking them questions like, "Oh, like your overall game, how's your game, what your weaknesses are, what strengths," just so I can build a profile to see like how players perform on the range compared to how they do on the golf course. So the first lesson might involve hit shots on the range. The second session might involve going to the golf course just to kind of how they deal with pressurised situations in terms of are they feeling anxious, are they performing, is their performance dipping towards the end of the round. So and in an overall context, I would always kind of start on the range, build up a profile for the player instead of jumping in with two feet and just working on something that might not be their weakness. So always kind of highlight weaknesses and get to know the player kind of straight before I kind of delve into too much detail. No, 100%. Would you, I suppose, I, I watched something um, a couple of weeks ago on Shane Lowry with his coach that they hardly ever use track men, um, but it's more they analyze the ball flight and change yeah. the body movements based on that. Um, would you be of some similar ilk or does track men have its place in, in your approach? I think... Trackman, Trackman's a good way to know numbers, but not a lot of people know what the numbers mean. I think, let's go back, coaching's evolved over the last kind of 10, 15 years with obviously the implementation of Trackman, but I think you always know by the ball flight. So teachers back in the day can tell you the equation between the way the club interacts with the, the golf ball, how it interacts with the ground. So the club face impact has, it takes precedent over anything. So I always kind of look at the ball flight analyze it back to the, the trackman numbers in the future and see how kinda you can collate everything together. But yeah, it depends what the player wants. If they're not interested if they're not interested in the numbers, then I wouldn't kinda honour that. But if they're interested in why let's say the ball flight's going left because the coffee face caused the impact, the path might be too far from the inside. So if they want to know that I would give them that information. But if they're just kinda wanting to improve their like let's say the field to the swing, I wouldn't necessarily go in too much into 
the numbers within TrackMan. Oh, spot on, spot on. So it's a good idea. And so what I try and do in this podcast is if there are PJ coaches around, try and understand your approach to teaching. Because um, anybody listening can get a, get a feel for, for what you're like as a coach as well. Um, can we go into a little bit, if you can, on how Loretta School came about? And I suppose you're dealing a lot with um, development players there. Um, yeah. And how, I suppose, that program um, is, you know, so how did Loretta School go about, first of all? Uh, well, basically, so I wasn't really, I mean, I was kind of, can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfect. So basically, the job came up back in November, and I, I, I know kind of a few guys that have worked at Loretto, and I've had kind of that experience of kind of coaching youngsters from beginner level up until elite, but the job came about just I seen it one day on the PGA episode and just kind of applied for it. But I've kind of I've had a lot of experience of junior coaching within Kiwis Golf Club because they've had, let's say they they've got about an average of hundred hundred junior members. I'm right in saying hundred to hundred and forty. So I've always kind of had the experience of delivering junior sessions, let's say over the holiday period, and I've always kind of enjoyed that. It's it's very like it's it's, it's good. It's very satisfying to see officer just kind of taking up the game, take it into, let's say, their early teens to later teens. But that, that job basically came about um, just going on the PG website. And kind of, I've always thought, right, that, that kind of, I wouldn't say it's up my avenue, but it's kind of something I've always wanted to do. Not very good. So is there um, kind of a certain program at the academy or, or what's your kind of, your approach to developing golfers as a team to that elite level? Well, so basically, every every like the school have like a pathway that you start off at beginner level. Then it's basically club golf. So you're doing level one, level two, level three. Then you get your handicap. But each each student gets kind of a lesson every week, and the ones that get lessons every week play very regularly. Others people just kind of do it that are in group classes. They just kind of do it as a taster. So in terms of how it works so if you're really young you get you're part of a group class but once you take your golf let's say more seriously then you can get more individual lessons but generally uh, every student that kind of has a handicap and plays golf regularly gets one individual lesson a week and then uh, we do a lot of group classes a lot of group junior classes so I mean it is it's good it is good it's enjoyable and if that that's kind of everything that you would focus on kind of Developing from, let's say, level one club golf, level two, level three. So that kind of works in the same context, but slightly more advanced. No, it's smashing. I suppose one thing that stands out to me is A, the number of um, pupils and people that you're delivering golf to every week. It's 200 plus, I believe, uh, from five to 18, which is fantastic. Um, but then what, what, what really interests me is I'm a facilities guy, and it's kind of my whole dream is to, is to set up. Kind of what you have there at Loretto uh, in Ireland, kind of like a centre of excellence for golf. And um, I'm yeah. calling it the golf house because that's what my nine-year-old kid calls the range at the moment. <laughs> um, but can you walk me through, I suppose, the facilities that you have there at Loretto as, as I believe it can truly be, be used as a blueprint for, for facilities in countries like ours, Scotland and Ireland, which doesn't have the best weather at the best time. No, I think because 
because golf's such a seasonable seasonable game or a seasonal game all over the world, but primarily in Scotland, it is very it's exposed to bad weather golf courses in the winter between November and March. So I think having an indoor academy like that is crucial to actually keeping people's motivations up and keep them practicing over the winter because I think people getting a rut over the winter in terms of not practicing, we're all the same. I mean, I don't play much golf over the winter, which kind of reflects on your interest goes down, your motivation depletes, and you just don't feel very enthusiastic. So I think having, let's say, a driving range on indoor golf academy is absolutely brilliant for um, to keep your game in tip-top condition over the winter, and it just kind of keeps you going, doesn't it? It keeps you going. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Like, there's an um, indoor academy put in my own club, and, like, I, I traverse the, the width of the country to go to it a couple of times a month. And, like, in Loretta there, it's not just, just not just a range and little academy, but a full kind of potting area, sand potting lab, and you even have a bloody bunker indoors. Yeah, it's, they're, I would say they're probably the best facilities in Scotland, from my personal opinion. But hey, there's these these facilities are just second to none. I think if you've got the right facilities in place, then people actually want to come and play golf. Whether it's let's say, if you're, I mean, I was a junior growing up, and you would go to a golf course that have a range, and the clubhouse wouldn't be open, and there would be no putting game. You wouldn't want to actually go and practice before you went out. So at least if you've got the facilities, it kind of prepares people for going on the golf course. It makes you want to actually go and complete, let's say, a 50-minute a practice session before you actually go out on the golf course. And instead of, let's say, turn up to a golf course that's not got these types of luxurious facilities, and you just you don't want to go and practice because the facilities aren't that good. No, I completely concur with you. Um, one quick question before we get into our quick fire Q&A. Given that you do um, work with a lot of kids, um, 5 to 18 in that bracket where there's a lot of other distractions in life, um, how do you and I suppose the Loretto team um, make it fun? Have you any specific games that you do or is it, is it a general approach in, in making it fun for like that 5 to 14 um, age group? Um, I think it's really important to make things fun in terms of like, I mean, I've kind of, I was related back to the way I learned playing golf when I was younger. And I, like a perfect example is I, I hated going to the range, working on technical stuff. I would rather go out and play and let, think less technical. So use the environment, use different games. Like actually having to challenge yourself like one-on-one -on -one against your partner. I think it's always relative to how it always reflects um, the games in terms of uh, how much interest you have so let's say that uh, most of our sessions are game based and then more more kind of once they start term it's more technical so it's the, you work on the technical work first then it's more game based so they're not actually thinking about technical work when you're like going when you're doing more game based stuff kind of using different constraints uh, up and down uh, over a bunker closest to the pin it's, you're just kind of using elements of the environment to kind of challenge the player. Oh, fantastic. I think it's, re it's really um, a way to go, especially bringing in that kind of gamification and but still making it competitive and fun at the same time. Not many, not many can do it, so fair play to you and, and the team of Loretto. Um, what's, your, what's your kind of goal for this year? Like your outlook for the year ahead? 
go for this year and just try to get over the coronavirus in Scotland. It's <laughs> quite a sensitive topic at the moment. I won't joke about that, but the, the goal for the year is definitely just to... I don't really have a goal, but one of my main goals is just keep learning, keep developing myself as a coach and as a person. You can never know enough about golf. There's always something new to learn. So it's my main goal kind of, or objective this year is to develop myself more as a coach, learn more, um, go and work with other coaches, um, get, gain feedback from them. But also other goal is to play a bit more golf this year. That's another get goal. Get to Ireland, maybe. Get to Ireland. There's a goal for you. <laughs> get to Ireland. Once, once, we, once we can all get on flights. On, on a personal side, uh, to, to grow more of my social media stuff like YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, that's kind of something I do on the side, which doesn't take, I don't put much more, that much time into it compared to when I worked at the golf club, I had more time, but still kind of work on that on the side, just to kind of obviously keep the, the daily videos coming and trying to help improve other golfers. I definitely do. Um, they definitely have me a couple of them. Um, it's rained my, my, my swing in a little bit in conjunction with what I'm doing my own call. Just kind of a, a check-in because um, it's quite specific to what I'm working on. So thank you very much for that. Um, right. So, so this is kind of the main part of the whole podcast. And maybe the, the aspect that a lot of people just tune in to listen to and they might even skip to this part. And it's yeah, yeah. the end. It's the end, maybe. It's the quick-fire Q&A. <laughs> Are you ready for it, Jamie? A lot of people probably don't understand anything I'm saying anyway, so <laughs> no, I'm sure they understand. No, go for it. This is the most, this Q&A, no pressure. No pressure, good man. Right. What would your walk-on song be, Jamie? My walk-on song? Oft. Uh, Eye of the Tiger. Don't know why, but... Yeah, it's quite common. Jim or pizza? Jim uh, first, pizza second. Good man, I had pizza last night, a 5k run this morning. Hat, visor or bucket hat? Uh, I would go hat. Good man. Happy Gilmore or Tim Cook? Happy Gilmore. Guinness or Heineken? Guinness. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Uh, I would go Port Marnock. Good man, it's closer to you. Walk or cart? walk every day of the week depends where you are in the country though if you're abroad definitely get a buggy because there's always going to be a few beers involved but if you're in Scotland definitely walk definitely walk um, win the Masters or win the Open win the Masters would you rather drive it like Dustin Johnson or drive it like Zach Johnson Dustin Johnson Instagram or Twitter tough one for you I'd go Instagram Twitter people, more, more people more people use Instagram than what they do Twitter because you can they, they, like there's a lot there's a bigger audience on Instagram than what there is Twitter oh, smash it I agree and the final one play or practice Jamie uh, play I don't want to practice if it's too dark at night and it's the golf coach is in complete darkness but definitely play good man yourself um, for anybody listening who might be on Spotify or somewhere where they can't get the show notes, Jamie, where, which platforms can we find you on and what are the handles, if you can? Uh, so let's 
I, I keep my hat I keep the, 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 the like Twitter Facebook handles all the same just in case I forget but anyway uh, Facebook Jamie Allen Golf Instagram Jamie Allen Golf Snap uh, YouTube Jamie Allen Golf and Twitter nice and simple Jamie Allen Golf so check them out you can you check them out and hopefully improve your golf Oh, smashing. Thank you very much for your time. I'd like to get back to all those um, those scholars in the academy and we'll talk again soon and I have to get to yeah. Scotland as well to boot. Yeah, definitely get yourself over here. There's a few good golf courses that you can uh, try out. There's a lot of good golf courses in Scotland but actually we're, um, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a privilege to kind of be able to play any of these courses in Scotland. We don't realise how lucky we are. But thanks, thanks for having me on and I will hopefully get over to Ireland one day and have a hit on one of the, the top golf courses over there. Lahinch, Port Marnock, County Down, all the all these great courses. And many more. We'd be glad to have you. Thanks again, Jamie. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Paddy. I really enjoyed that. Massive thank you to Jamie for joining me, albeit a bit short notice, um, on the show this week, considering, you know, we can't really go anywhere these days. Um, but do get following Jamie, a good young pro based in Scotland. He is, over the next week, offering 10 free online golf lessons, so 10 people will be randomly drawn, and they will each receive... Um, a free online golf lesson so check out his his instagram posts there to enter that one i hope you're all staying safe i hope you're all getting some practice putting in down the hallway like me the main message here is be safe be healthy stay well keep your family well um top of mind is of course wash your hands but please make the right decisions golf is the best game to play for social distancing so get out on the course follow all the guidelines of course when you're in around the clubs etc but yeah do keep enjoying the game and we'll all keep sharing it together and we'll get to the other end together as well thank you all for pressing play please do join the timesheet over at www.paddyoff.com working on some really cool stuff for the golf house in the meantime, please leave a review of this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Get involved in the comment sections on Instagram and Twitter and wherever you follow me on social media. And if you don't, please do. Thanks again, folks. Please share the show with your family and friends. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy. Paddy.